When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Dude, the Rhino might be back, bro. Football. Yeah, there he is. We're back. Fresh off of an Ironman triathlon, dude. I know. It was insane. Can I just say, it was worth Oh, look at that. Almost, show, the YouTube, show the YouTube audience. Let's zoom in on this thing here. Almost oh. all 16 hours that it took to run this thing. And you see the name that they put back there. What did the winner run it in? Dude, he ran it in like seven hours. I, I couldn't oh, even tell some, you. Sounds like you got some work to do. So it rained. It downpoured for 17 hours the entire race. And it was 59 degrees. And we had 30, degree, 30 mile an hour winds. And we showed up for the swim, and I was like, oh, my God, it's so dark, and the, the waves are just crushing. There's like 2,000 people looking around like, who's going to be the idiot to do this today? And I'm like all excited, and everyone else is looking around, and they're like, big dog, you don't belong here. I'm like, no, but this could be one hell of a day. Played a lot of games in this weather, and this is how we roll. And they were like, no, this is not a good day. It ended no. up being like – Were the- you in a Speedo? No. Dude, I wear, full- I wear the wetsuit without the sleeves. Did anyone wear wearing- a Speedo? Yeah, a couple dudes did, but you're not very buoyant out there. And when you're doing 2.4 in the swim, that's a long ways to go. But I will say that it was the fourth biggest dropout rate. Like there was hypothermia everywhere. People were falling all over the roads because the roads get real slick and you're turning real fast. And you're like, you know, I'm in my own mind. Like you're looking down at your watch, you're doing 35 downhill in the rain. And you're like, man, if I wipe out, I'm screwed. And you see somebody that wiped out like 10 miles later and you're like, man. I'm so sorry. Oh, they're going to be pissed. But it was <laughs> it was awesome, dude. When you cross that finish line and they talk about, like, they say your name, they're like, you are Iron Man. You're like, dude, you kind of cry a little bit. Like, dude, that took a lot, and it was a lot of fun, and it was on 9-11, so I couldn't be upset. I had to be excited, and I had to be, like, out here for everybody, and it was one of those things where it was – it takes a serious mental toll, and I can't wait to do the next one. Amazing. And we're going to get more of a, a full update on your, your gladiatorial adventures mm. here. And uh, I'll give you my own Peloton update, too, because I am killing the 15 to 20 minute Peloton rides. All right. I know, your I know you, you think you're a bad. What is that? <laughs> you call yours Dennis, man. You're not a Wilpers fan. You're lying. <laughs> uh, this, by the way, is Trenches with Boone, part of the Purple Daily Network of Daily Vikings Entertainment. Uh, Mackie, I'm out here in Phoenix visiting my dad, who's uh, is kind of going through some health problems, and so I'm uh, trying to entertain him. You're uh, you're recovering from the aforementioned triathlon, but we both have yes. takes for days on this Vikings game. Just an absolutely perfect start to the Kevin O'Connell era, at least I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think people have heard my thoughts for the last couple of days here, but uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, I know that I want someone's ass fired that we're going to get to today. And uh, we're going to get into uh, Mackie asks a dumb question about football that Professor Boone answers Can't on wait. the show as well. Alex Boone, 10-year NFL veteran, started in a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers, lost it, uh, and played a season with the Minnesota Vikings in 2016. And liked it so much that he maintained residence in Minnesota, too. So he's, he's one of us. I did. Um, so I'm just going to shut up. You tell me what stood out to you watching the Vikings just beat the brakes off the Green Bay Packers in week one of the KOC era. I'm just wondering where the hell this offense has been. Just you, 
you can't tell me that you weren't excited, right? Like Kirk is back there in this shotgun formation. What is this formation, by the way? I haven't seen this in forever, I feel like. It's just you take him five yards away from the trouble, and it's like he becomes a different dude. Like he really did look way different. There was times where people, we're not going to name names, were getting beat up front. And he took a lot of hits. A couple of them, I was like, wow, that was a that was a good one. And then he came back like the next play, like he was a completely different dude. And this was the one thing that we had talked about last week was the insurgence of Kevin O'Connell and his offense and his ability to spread people out and his ability to now pull Kirk away from trouble and say, hey, listen, man, it's okay to dance around a little bit. I will say there was a couple times where maybe he threw it away and you were kind of like, I don't know why he did that, but I didn't really worry about it because for the most part, he was climbing the pocket well. He made some great throws. I didn't see the old Kirk of last year where it looked like he was kind of flustered and frustrated. Like Even after taking all those hits, he still seemed really calm and really like, hey, man, it's just part of the plan. It's part of the process. We're going to do this. They were working Dalvin in, and I love the gun Dalvin because it puts the defense on their heels so much more. I mean, there was a couple plays. I think it was maybe one or two. They put Justin in the pistol, and I got a little excited. Like, what's going to happen next? What are we going to do? And you saw that little swing where he goes out wide, right, and they're trying to run that slant, so they're trying to run a pick. But at the same time, it's just a little bit of, like, what could come next? And we've said this before on this show. You just throw one play with Justin back there, and all of a sudden the whole defense has to think for the next week is, what are they going to do next? Like, what could the next possible thing be? What if they were, what if they were to just get diabolical, right? and run like a gun read with Justin at running back and Dalvin becomes like this pitch guy. Like there's so many things. And you got to think about it. There's a hundred people in that office right now, just walking around going, what are they going to do back there? What could they possibly do next? Like, it's just, it's so funny when you start playing mental games with these guys, because they'll sit there and get so panicky and nervous over the simplest things, but they have to, because he's such a threat back there. And Obviously, the Packers forgot how good he was because he was wide open in the middle of the field. How many times? Like it just—it's astonishing sometimes how a new offense can come in and just play such tricks on a defense that they're like, don't even know what's going on. Oh, yeah. that's their best player. Oh, nobody's guarding. Not a problem. Let him run free. Like, just what are you thinking? And that's the thing. Like, like so, they didn't play anyone in the preseason. The, the Vikings literally sat all of their key starters throughout the entire preseason. And even if they would have played starters, they're not going to put anything. It'll be a lot of vanilla stuff. They're not going to. They're not going right. to put any tricks of the trade. I don't think. But they did. But they so they they kept it completely off film in the preseason. And yeah, if you're the Packers, you can go back and look at Rams film to try and get okay. What are some concepts that they might run right? But ultimately, the Vikings had the advantage of the Packers had no film other than just piecemealing other systems and Ram stuff together. And and this is you know I I know you come from. I think you come from the school of and offenses that love to establish the run, jam it down opposing teams' throats. What I loved about the Vikings, they came out, and this is going to sound really cliche, but they passed eight times in their first 10 plays to take a lead. They passed to set up the run for later, which you can do that too. You don't, I mean, and you can flip it around if you want to, but they came out and they said, you know what, we can probably torch these guys. Uh, Justin Jefferson is one of the best players in the NFL. Let's just aerial attack them right out of the gate, take a lead, and then when we have a double-digit three-score lead later, then it's more Dalvin, Alex Madison, and Dang. and kind of flip the script. Like with Mike Zimmer offenses, it was, we must establish the run always. every single game always. And, and I'm not saying that you have to establish the run. I agree. But, you know, where is the stepping on teams' throats here? I found this nugget in the last 41 games. This was the third time only that the Vikings have taken a 20-point lead or more. So think oh, about really? that. They don't take big leads because they don't they don't stay attacking and stay aggressive. Right. And they, they did they, they did in the, I mean the offense faded a little bit in the second half, but like for the most yeah. part the first half was let's put these dudes to bed before halftime. That's what it felt but, like to me. And to be fair, don't you I almost appreciate that from Kevin because that's the school that he comes from and he's out here doing what he's like it's so hard to explain sometimes because with Zimmer, it was so conservative. And so let's just play it by the book. And like, I'll give you the best example. <clears throat> I think it was fourth and five. It was fourth and five on like the five. They run a play. If it were Mike Zimmer, it's simple dive, right? Like it's ham up the A gap followed by, um, you know, uh, Dalvin right behind him. Simple things. Everybody can guess it. Or it's a zone to the outside. This dude runs a boot with Justin Jefferson running right down the goal line and no, like nobody sees him. Like it's, it's so innovative, but at the same time, it's kind of this like 
look what we can do. We're not just this team with Dalvin. We're not going to be these guys that just put you in 12 and put two tight ends out there and have fun. We're going to spread you out the whole game. We're going to start an empty. We're going to end the game in empty. You don't know what's going to happen. We're going to motion people in. To me, that's him saying, hey, listen, this is the new offense. This is who we are. If you think we're going to be conservative, we're not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to spread you out the first series, and I'm going to see what we can do because we practice it so much that this is who we are. This is our identity. And to me, it's kind of putting some of these teams that are going to have to see this, they're going to put them on their heels quickly like, man, these guys couldn't pass the ball last year. Well, they could, but now they look even more dangerous. Like, they haven't even really done anything yet, and this team looks so different from last year. And a lot of it is because – like we said before, the new wave of Kevin O'Connell coming in, this excitement, this, hey, this innovative offense. Look what we're going to do in two series. We're going to spread them out so much and bring them back in and spread them back out. They're not going to know what the hell is going on. And then you look at the Packers, and they got their sideline all yelling at each other, going crazy because they can't do anything on offense either. It's just this perfect windstorm of, like, what could be happening, what's going on, and everybody's just attacking. The defense is going out there and just mauling the offense. Now, I will say A.J. Dillon had a hell of a game. Dude's tough as hell. There's no question about that. But for the rest of the game, Aaron Rodgers was held in check. Like, there wasn't a lot that was like, man, to me, if anything, I saw more from them that concerns me than a lot of teams. They look like they're going to have to be a a run first team now. Like, dude, Aaron, did you just lose everybody with one guy? What did you think, real quick, what did you think the, the first play of the game for the Packers on offense and that poor rookie wide receiver, Christian oh my God. is running Number wide nine. open down the right side. Yeah, he's running <laughs> wide open down the right side. And that, I mean, that was a seven, dude, that was a 75 yard touchdown on the first play. And he drops it and he feels terrible. And they show Aaron Rodgers and he's like, he's like rolling his eyes in the back of his head, you know, and he, right. he didn't go back to him for three hours. <laughs> Can you blame him? You dropped the most perfect pass. Now, you know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. Like, There's a part of me that just cannot stand the nonsense anymore. But at the same time, that was a great ball. And I understand his frustration. Like, dude, the first play we're trying to get after these dudes after they just got after us and you dropped the ball. I'd be pissed, too. That's a moment for like, bro, you messed up. You need to go to the sideline now. You need to don't come back out here anymore. (laughs) Hey, you mentioned, uh, you know, the the use of 12 personnel. And and I think just because I I, I love learning from you and I love the the terminology and uh, just the, the education that we get. So. As you've taught us throughout the last couple of years, um, when you talk about tw- so twelve personnel would be the first number is the number of running backs, right? So that's yes. one running back, two tight ends. The receivers aren't named, but presumably two receivers. If we're talking five skill position players, right. so so last year the Vikings ran eleven personnel, meaning one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So just think three for the audience: three wide receiver sets. They ran that forty-two percent of the time last year. In that game on Sunday, they ran 11 personnel between 75 and 80% of snaps. Yeah. And it, it, and it just, with, with the eye test, I mean, the first couple of drives, like you said, it was like, whoa, this looks and feels way different. All these jet sweep motions pre-snap. Oh, there's Justin Jefferson in motion as the ball snapped, right? I think the play no. you were talking about, the touchdown along the goal line, I think he was lined up in the slot on that play, and then he moves yeah. out across the goal line. So when the Vikings are in 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets, with the, with this current collection, what does that do to a defense? How does it make it so hard, like it was for the Packers? We have a good secondary and a good defense. How does it make it so impossible for them to guard the Vikings when they're in eleven personnel? Dude, it's all the mismatches that you create. It's like you said when the minute you see Justin Jefferson going in motion, in your mind as a fan, you're like, wow, there's Justin Jefferson going in motion. Imagine the Mike linebacker as you see one of the best receivers in the NFL go across your face, and you're like. I know I'm supposed to be staring at him as to why he's going across my face, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's going or what he's doing. And now I'm starting to freak out because he's getting even wider and I'm supposed to be in the middle of the field. And I think he's going to be my guy. Like there's just so much that goes through your mind. And the one thing I love about Kevin and his ability to come from the Sean McVay offenses, they, they do have the ability to change up the formations, but they don't at times. Like they try to keep it super like simple, but they'll, They'll do it one week, and then the next week they'll take a passing formation that they passed out of, clearly, and they'll make it a run play the next week. And so all of a sudden it's this, this, hey, I saw this last week, and Justin was running a post, but then all of a sudden it turns into this zone back, this weak zone, and you're like, wait a minute. 
I could have swore I saw that formation looking way different. Right? It's just, it's this whole mind game of him of oh Justin, let's just move you one guy over and Thielen will move you to the backside now. And look, we have a completely different play because as the defense knows, how are you going to cover this? We put JJ on one side and Thielen on another, Irv Smith in the middle. Now we just flip flop everybody, put Irv Smith on the outside and Thielen and Justin on the same side. It's this constant like chess matchup. Like, how are you going to cover us? How are you going to play us? Oh, and at the same time, don't forget, we can run the ball now out of 11 personnel too. And that's one of the things that I've said I'm really excited about. Because too, when you spread out a defense, you really kind of show their hand quickly. Because when you condense everybody down, you could have nine guys in the box and nobody's coming. And you're like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of dudes over here. The minute you spread guys out, they have to show you what they're doing. If they're starting to creep up, then you know they're coming. Hey, listen, here's where he comes. And that's a huge thing for the offensive line. That's where it makes it easy for us. The more you spread out a team, the more they're going to have to show us what they're doing. The safeties are going to have to rotate sooner. They're going to have to rotate faster because not a lot of guys can cover the middle of the field like they used to. I mean, these safeties aren't what they used to be. But to me, when you're looking at these defenses, it kind of looks like they're like, dude, we don't know what's going on. Like the Packers last week were kind of – they were kind of all over a little bit. Like, dude, we're not really covering Justin in the flat. We're not covering Justin over here. We're getting kicked in the run game a little bit. Like, this to me is just one step in a very long journey that could be really exciting. So another thing yeah, you mentioned before we turn the mics on here that uh, you just briefly mentioned that Kirk Cousins looked like kind of a, a different dude. I'll give you something specific here. So with the eye test and with statistics, last year he was really bad against pressure. So if it was clean pocket, if it was first read, he's legitimately one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when conditions are clean. So last year he was 32nd in the league in yards per attempt when pressured. And and like his completion percentage was way down. Again, it's a one-game sample here, but one of the first things Kevin O'Connell said at his introductory press conference all the way back in like January or whatever that was, is he, you know, somebody asked him, hey, you know, you've worked with Kirk before, what, you know, what needs to happen with Kirk? And he said, it's my job to get Kirk to play with a more quiet mind, which I thought was a great way to put it, because I interpret that to mean, hey, when the, when things are speeding up, when it's late in the game, it's two minute drill, or there's pressure. Or, or, you know, there's just Whatever. a high-pressure high, a high pressure situation. you got to quiet your mind and be able to keep it slow, right? So in that game against the Packers, Kirk Cousins, when pressured, was 7 of 13 for like 155 yards, a touchdown, no picks, 10 yards per attempt. And like you said before the show, he was climbing the pocket, yep. hunting down the field, attacking down the field. Maybe there were some checkdowns here and there, but I thought as a guy that's been critical of Kirk, especially when he's under pressure. I thought he looked like a different dude in that game. And maybe it is Kevin O'Connell just putting his arm around him and saying, Hey man, we're partners on this. Like, just feel comfortable. It's okay. No, that's exactly what I saw. But you said it earlier too, is there was, there was a couple of times where he did throw the check down, but that's another thing is like, it seems like there's answers for him everywhere now. And there was a comment that was kind of made in the game about, um, I can't, who was the uh, commentator? Greg Olson. Uh, Greg Olson. Yeah. Love him by the way. We got to play with him in Seattle. Dude is the best. Yeah. Just letting he, you know. He's got that. That's a big boy job now, too. He took uh, over for right. Troy Aikman. I mean, I don't <laughs> I was I was talking to him about it a little bit. I was giving him a lot of smack about it. But um, he made a comment about it was on Justin's one of uh, Justin's other big plays. And he was like, if you notice here, the defense isn't even paying attention to Justin because look at all the levels. And what he means by that is. There's a guy on every single level, which means there's an answer for Kirk every which way he looks. And basically, you're going to test the safeties. You're going to test the linebackers every which way of the field. And it was kind of that kind of reminded me a little bit of that famous play that Peyton Manning used to run, what they call it, levels, where he'd have, you know, the two guys running the same thing, but they'd be on different levels. And it was basically like, I'm going to pick my poison and you have to choose two. It's kind of like that when you're looking at this offense. It just seems like there's people in every corner for Kirk. Like, hey, listen, if one's not open, two will definitely be open. If two's not open, you're for sure guaranteed to throw it to three. And it looks like he just seems like he's getting the progressions faster. I wouldn't be surprised if they were coming to him more and saying, what do you want to do? Hey, listen, this is what we weren't trying to achieve in this. This has to be here, but maybe we can throw in something you want to do on the backside, or maybe we can throw in some of your elements of what you like to do. I mean, all these things. It's just you never know with Kevin, and I'd love to talk to him about it. You know, I'm probably going to try and get his number and call him and just start talking. I think, to him. yeah. I think you guys need to be late night texting buddies, 100%. Dude, you, yeah. can, you should see the people that I just randomly call. And people are like, I cannot believe you called them. <laughs> Why not? What's not going to answer? I'll leave him a message. Hopefully, he'll call me back. But, uh, <clears throat> 
No, I do. I think Kirk definitely looks a lot different. It is one sample game. I will say it was a big game. Obviously, the Packers is a huge, huge game for the Vikings. So to come out and firing the, the way they were, this is one of those things that if they can continue this momentum forward, dude, I said it last week, they could be a dangerous team. It's kind of funny how fast things can 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 just change in the NFL where, all right, week one, it's we'll, we'll see what happens against the Packers, but then you beat the crap out of them, and they look the way that they did. And now all of a sudden, it's like I think most people think the Vikings are the best team in the division. For sure. The, I will caution people, the Packers looked even worse in week one of last year, and then they went on to lose maybe two more games the rest of the season. But they also had Devonte Adams. Good to say. You know, to this point, I mean, Bakhtiari didn't really play last year either. But to this, you know, they're going to get Bakhtiari back. So I, I'm not going to write them off completely. But um, that, that I'm was close, dude. That was one of the only games the Vikings are going to be underdogs at home all season too, and they won it. They kind of stole one on the schedule in that game. Yeah, no, I so agree. You're, done, and, you're out. You're out on the Packers. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I just can. You look at and the way that Aaron was just looking at people. You're like, dude. Eventually, <laughs> people are going to be like, all right, bro, enough. Like, we get it. You're the dude. At some point, you have to be a different type of leader, but yelling at everybody and going crazy, like, that just won't last. And yeah, when this you don't, is the, this is the team that you have. So, you right? Find a way Deal to with it. it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think eventually, sometimes, especially as an offensive lineman, because we get yelled at all the time and, you know, you kind of just brush it off a little bit. But when you see your quarterback yelling at everybody all the time, you're like, dude, chill out. If you're not calm, <laughs> nobody's going to be calm. You're not understanding. If you just smile and fake your way through this, people will be like, dude, that guy's a psycho. I'll do anything for him. But when you're out there like throwing tablets and looking at people like you want to kill them, they're just like, okay, bro, I'm sorry. Or the one thing I want to know the most is it seems like every time the ball drops or he like throws an incomplete pass, it's like the receiver's fault. Have you ever noticed that? He's always like, oh my you got to run the bang eight. Dude, have you have you ever heard him take responsibility for no, anything? But I want to know if he's just messing with us on TV because he knows the camera's looking at him and he's like, I don't want to look stupid because I threw the ball to the left and the receiver ran to the right. Or if he's really genuinely like, God, you're an idiot. You need to run left and not right. Like, you, it doesn't happen this much. I'm telling you, Phil, they do run the wrong route sometimes, but it doesn't happen as much as he's like, no, it's a curl. Like, dude, I don't know if he was supposed to. Run I think he just there. has a really hard time admitting that he's wrong. It's like his his ego is driving his entire self worth, and someone needs to tell him, or maybe they have, and he just doesn't listen. You'd actually, you'd probably be better as a player and as a teammate for sure if you were just okay being a little more self deprecating and admit that you're wrong sometimes, or just not getting pissed at rookie wide receivers. I'd be mad too on the first play of the game. Oh yeah, no. But but then to vindictively not throw the ball to him again the rest of the game. I mean, come on, dude. I guess I, I could see that. That's not very vindictive. You dropped the the first play was a house call and you dropped it. You're not getting the ball the rest of the day. Who's it's gonna? Just... But who's gonna catch passes? Like the. Like, He's on the team. He's that's his problem, not ours. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see how many that... times was that guy just wide open waving his hands right. and Rogers hey, is like, "No, dude, I'm throwing around." I'm the cool cup. with this. I'm totally cool with this. You refused <laughs> right. to throw to him and you lost the game. Like, if anything, if you go back and look at that game and that dude was open and they, I mean, you should somebody should be talking about that. Instead. How uh, how the offensive line look for you, the Vikings offensive line? I thought they looked good. You know, there's some things. Um, obviously, in the middle. That's got to get cleaned up a little bit. But for the most part, I thought the O-line looked really good. The run blocking was good. There's a little bit of pro stuff that needs to get cleaned up. But like I said, it's the first game. you got a rookie right guard playing against Kenny Clark, one of the Pro Bowl nose tackles in the NFL. I mean, the dude's a good player. I will say that that older player in the very, very middle needs to learn how to drop his ass and throw his hands. Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a long year for Kirk. And I'm just being honest. Same problems that they've had at that position for the last three years. Hey, Sounds like Chris, Chris Reed can come in. Chris Reed can come in and sit down on a bowl. I just there's things that show up in this year, and especially for a guy that should be motivated as much as he is, that you come out the first game and you're like, hey, listen, I could silence all the doubters right now, right? Like everyone's kind of talking about how I'm the first guy and hasn't had his fifth year option picked up. I come out here right now, bury Kenny Clark for 65 plays and shut everybody up. But that's not what happened. And so it's kind of like, dude, at some point, somebody needs to take the reins up front and start going, Darisaw, I thought he looked good. At times, Ezra Cleveland looked good. You know I love Brian O'Neill. I think he's a mauler and a finesse player. He's one of the best right tackles. But for the most part, I thought the rookie played well for being a rookie. 
center's got to pick it up a little bit. Let me ask you this about, I, I think we're probably still, I don't think the Vikings are making a Bradbury change yet. I think they're going to for sure give him a month and just see, but I, we'll see what happens. But on Chris Reed, how big of a deal is it if they do have to get there at some point where, all right, this isn't working, we got to make a change. I don't think he's played a regular season snap at center. He's worked for sure this offseason throughout. Like he was the number two, number three center at times, yeah. you know, with Schlotman. And I think maybe in Colts camp, he's taken snaps at center. But how big of a deal is that? That, all right, dude, well, if, if we have to make a move, you've never played center before. Go have fun. Oh, I think that they would know if he could do it. I mean, to be fair, going from center to guard is really not that difficult. I mean, obviously you're snapping the ball. But at the same time, if you're a good enough guard, you'll figure it out. I've seen tackles that got moved to center. And it's just really because, hey, listen, we need a stout guy in the middle that can snap the ball and who's smart and figure this out for us. Everybody else will do the work around you. That's that's what they tell you at guard and tackle. This guy's just here to tell you where to go. You're doing all the work for him, and he's going to give you a little nudge every now and then. I mean, think about it. In pass, bro, we barely leave those guys on an island. At times, a defense will force us to do it. But if we don't have to, we don't want to. Do I think Chris Reed would be an upgrade? Absolutely. Chris Reed's yeah. he's a tough player, dude. He's one of the he played for the Colts last year. He was out there mauling those dudes. They were a run first team. Obviously, he knows how to do that. But at the same time, if he could be a little bit more stout in the middle in the pass game, like to me, that's another step that Kirk needs. Like, hey, listen, if you guys can solidify the core of this offensive line, if Kirk continues to take these steps, I'll have to eat my own words soon. Believe me, which is fine because it's like, hey, listen, he's out here balling. He's out here doing what he's supposed to be doing, leading a team, right? And at the same time, the offensive line's picking it up, dude. It could be, could be. Scary. You should see. You should see my emails and social media mentions the last forty-eight hours. Hey, Mackie, when are you going to admit that you were wrong about Kirk? I'll admit are you going to apologize? Listen, no, dude, I will happily if he if he plays like this all season. First of all, if he plays like this all season, a huge credit to Kevin O'Connell for being oh, the coach the that stirs the drink, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think. It, those types of fans, and I know there's probably a few of them who are watching or listening, and we appreciate that. But if you if you can't handle the warranted criticism of players and the team, then like if it's just, if it's just blind loyalty and blind optimism, then a what are we doing here? And b like, right. maybe we're just not the show for you. I don't know. Right. Um, but but if if Kirk takes another step and he's better against pressure, and and maybe he takes a step as a leader and whatever else, then. Okay, cool. It doesn't mean that he didn't ever deserve to be criticized in the past. It means he got better. And that's right. what, I think that's what we'd like to see this season. Absolutely. And I think it's weird. And it's kind of funny that you said that because I think a lot of people take criticism the wrong way. Like at some point, you're a hater. Right? Like they think that we're mad. And it's not that we're mad. It's just like, hey, I see everybody else playing up to their potential. And, and they, they go out here and they have these huge contracts and they make things happen in the fourth quarter when nobody else can make it happen. Like that's why they get all this money. And the minute you see Kirk go out there and go out and throw these balls and he looks like he's having fun, he's getting peppered every which way, but he's still making really good reads. I'm like, finally. Finally, somebody's gotten into his head that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to get hit. It's okay to bleed a little bit. This is football. At the same time, the ball's got to get out, dude. Like, you're the boss back here. And as long as you're okay, we're okay. And I'm telling you, Kevin O'Connell coming in here, definitely in his ear, like, listen, dude, I don't know what the last guy did to you, but I'm here to have fun. Okay, we're going to spread these dudes out. You can wear your all-white socks and have your fun and do your thing. But for whatever reason, if you get panicked, don't just throw the ball away. Okay. Look to your right. Look to your left. There'll be somebody there waiting for you. Like that to me is a huge step in the right direction. And then you talk about the fact that they haven't even really opened up the offense yet. Like it's like, dude, where are we going? I don't even know, but I'm excited to find out. The white socks were definitely a good look. I think Kirk right? should stick with the all white socks. Look thin, look real thin. Like I was he looking did. at him, like my dude. I know he looked oh. athletic from the waist down in his football pants. Oh. I mean, he might as well have been Lamar Jackson. Could or... have been Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't have yeah. known. I'm, exactly. I'm not, I turned the tape on and I'm like looking at it, like is that Kirk? Who is that? A quarterback? He's running up the pocket. He's starting to feel the ball. I'm like, damn, this dude looks good. I like it. So, uh, so it sounds like we're all pretty. Pretty high, pretty, pretty high on the uh, the Vikings after week one. They got the Monday night game against the Eagles, who uh, that was a grind of a game. I, I know you were you were in uh, Ironman triathlon mode, but they got into a, a high scoring affair at Detroit and they uh, they wound up winning like 38 to 35. But that'll be a tough game. 
I haven't seen the line, I guess, but I'm guessing the Vikings are probably underdogs in that one. So, um, yeah, we'll do that next week. Really? I think it's time. What do you think they're let – let's look it up here. Do you think the Vikings are underdogs? Yeah, at Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. Week Who's two the quarterback? spreads. Jalen Hurts. Let's see. Uh, opening lines eight hours ago. I'm going to say it's Eagles by three. Let's say Vikings by here. three. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, they're going to make you scroll all the way down here because it's a Monday. Well, you know, game. the NFL loves Aaron Rodgers until he doesn't win, and then they're like, oh, yeah, there's not even on a good team anymore. <laughs> Eagles are two-point two point favorites for, for the opening oh, that's, line. Eagles, that's a so. scratch. That could so go the either way. Are, uh, but I, I, the, there's, a, there's a projection site, 538, that does like Super Bowl odds and stuff. They've got the Vikings with the fourth-best Super Bowl odds after watching that week one performance, part of it's because they're in a weaker division with the Bears and with the Lions and you know their schedules week, but a lot of a lot of national Vikings Kool Aid out there. You could, you know what though? That's such a that's such a such a backhanded compliment to say to them, like, oh, you know, well, they're only they jump because their division sucks. Now it's like, nah, they actually well, showed something. It's both. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Kevin actually came out and instead of being one of these coaches that's afraid to do what he wants to do, like he actually went out and did it. Like I was like, man, this game could be fake. Or it could be like you know fake, like super conservative. Or he could really do what he's going to do and spread them out and let Kirk have his fun. And he did it. And it was like, man, first game of his career, he wasn't afraid to just go at it and start swinging. Like, dude, these Sean McVay coaches are crazy. I love them. You know what? Okay, two more things on O'Connell here, and then we're gonna we're and then we're gonna get to the first uh, someone's ass fired segment of the season on trenches with Boone. But um, KOC as a play caller. You know, that was one of the questions, right? Okay, it was McVeigh was calling the plays. And so you're going right. to come in here and it, 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 to get into a rhythm as a first time coach and oversee the 3,000, you know, the 30,000 foot view of things and the challenges and the clock management and call plays. And you haven't done that. And he looked like a natural man. I mean, I'm an amateur. You would know way more than I would, but it just looked like he understood when to throttle down, he understood when to run the ball. And then the other thing I loved is after the game was over and then the Monday press conference, he basically just fell on the grenade for things that didn't even really need to be accounted for because they beat the crap out of the Packers and said, I need to be better in so many different areas. Like we can get better as a team and it's on me to make it happen. I need to be better as a play caller. I need him. I was like, wow. So he's not taking a victory lap. He's already thinking about the ways that they can get better. And I, I don't know, maybe it was lip service, but I, I just, I love the way that he came out, man, as a play caller and just as a leader you know, in front of the public and the media. No, he's doing a great job. And that's, I think that spawns from the Sean McVay tree of like, dude, you can always put it on my shoulders. It's never too big for me. Like that's how Sean is. He's remember when they, uh, remember when they traded Jared Goff away, he was the first coach. I swear that I've ever heard that was like, yeah, we messed up totally messed up on that pick. And I was, I remember I reread it. Like, wait, what, what he was like, we just, we didn't hit on that. We messed up. I was like, man, this guy literally doesn't care what you think. He's just going to tell you like it is. And that, as a player, you respect that so much more because you know it's not coming from a hateful place. It's just coming from an honest place. They're just honest people. They say what comes to their mind. They're not meeting it with malice. They're not coming at you like, you suck. They're just like, your performance sucked. Pick it up. But at the same time, when they sit back and go, that's not me. I got to fix that. And then they come in the meeting room on Wednesday and they're like, hey, listen, I messed this up. Or, hey, you know. I think there was like a delay in a delay of game after they were trying to figure out whether they're going to kick a field goal or go for it. It's kind of like, you know what? I'm not going to get mad about that because the coach came in and was like, hey, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll do better. It won't happen next time. That's on me. As long as he says those words, that's on me. I'm cool, dude. He took the, he took the fall for it. I'll take the fall for something like we can all learn to grow together. And that's when criticism really becomes really, really like compounding because the minute you know it's not from this critical place of he's just jabbing me it's more like hey you need to play better because we need to play better then you start to learn how to be accountable to each other and that's when all of a sudden you start to learn how to be leaders and you're growing and i'm telling you dude positivity is a dangerous thing and the minute you catch fire in the nfl there aren't a lot of teams right now that caught fire a lot of these teams came out and you're like what the hell was that i saw highlights i was like what the hell does this look like nothing but when you catch that fire and the positivity and people around you, like, it's not your fault. It's my fault. I'll fix it. And you're like, wait a minute. You're not going to throw something at me. I jumped off sides. You're not going to throw a table at me now. <laughs> you serious? Oh, okay. All right. You're right, coach. That was my fault. I'll, 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 my bad. Well, that's a good segue to the opposite end of 
that feeling and the Uh-oh. spectrum because it's time now for old Macadac to fire someone's ass. Week one edition. And uh, you know, if, if you'd like to fire someone's ass too, you're welcome to. Wait, they didn't even make it past week one? God, you know you messed up when. Well, Nathaniel Hackett, oh. it's just not working, guy. I'm sorry. I know that he got hired. I know that he was a, one of the, I think, finalists for the Vikings head coaching job, too. They may have Thank dodged God. a major bullet, and I Thank hate God. to be overreaction guy here, but okay. First of all, let's, let's not even, let's just, let's just fast forward right to the final minute here and skip mm-hmm. past the multiple failed red zone trips, the multiple late play calls getting in, resulting in delays of game, the multiple bad penalties, everything that went into this undisciplined mess leading up to the final minute, right? Mm-hmm. You're down by one point. Mm-hmm. There's 50 seconds left. You have crossed midfield with three timeouts. It is fourth and five, and so mm-hmm. you do have a decision to make here. Uh, again, from around the 46-yard line of the Seattle Seahawks, you have Russell Wilson ink barely dry on a quarter billion dollar contract that you just gave him. He is your franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you decide we're going to run 30 seconds off the clock all the way down to 20 seconds, burn one of our three timeouts because we think the odds of making a 64 yard field goal of which only two players in the history of football have ever made a 64 yard field goal on the road. Mind you, that the odds of our kicker making that are better than the odds of Russell Wilson converting a fourth and five. Nathaniel Hackett, you're fired. Sorry, guy. I know it's been one game in your coaching career, but I don't know how you can get back on that plane as a player. He doubled down after the game and said, I do it all over again, too. I trust my kicker. Dude, the kicker was wondering why the hell you ran him out there with... 20 seconds left in that game. And so I'm sorry, dude. I, I, Nathaniel Hackett, I know it's been one game, but I can't do it. He's gone. <laughs> dude, did you see the kicker after he missed it? They showed him on the sidelines, and he was literally like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> he was and now you've right, probably wrecked his confidence, too. It's like I'm done for the year, guys. Ruined. <laughs> right. I'm glad you fired him because I'm actually going to fire somebody else. And you know I love this guy to death. I do. Oh, my God. But Russell Wilson, come on down, my dude. You gotta go. Wow, you're just gonna cut him. I'm just gonna, gonna cut him. <laughs> I'm gonna cut him. I'm gonna fire Hackett. You're all getting cut. Like, dude, if I'm Walton, I'm like, dude, I just bought this team, and this is what happened. <laughs> this is what you give me, dude. It, it, it. I'm just telling you, as a former player, the minute I turned on the TV and saw every single camera in Russ's face, you almost knew they were going to lose that game. You almost knew that Pete Carroll was going to come in there, know exactly how Russ was going to play that game, and just throw everything he could at him. And to be fair, Russ probably didn't expect all those turnovers, but at the same time, doesn't matter, dude. Like You got to make something happen if the team ain't making it happen. And when you let that clock run down 30 seconds, and I love Russ to death. I do. I really, really do. And I think he's a great dude and he's a great quarterback. But he looked so flustered yesterday in his own house. And that to me was like, dude, what? Is-? And the, from play one, he just looked like he was like, I've never had to deal with this noise. And now I understand why everybody hated coming up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just see it written all over his face. And then when he was walking around with that 30 seconds and he's trying to get everybody lined up and he's looking at the receiver and he's like, dude, run a smoke. What's so hard about this? Like you could just see, and you've never seen Russ like that. And it was kind of like, man, I wonder if he is regretting his decision to leave. I'm just saying, man, I think, uh, oh, that's a, there's so much to peel back here. Saying there's so much. So another layer here too. I was watching when the, when the last minute was taking place, I had the Manning cast on. So, so you guys, <laughs> you, you, you got, you got Troy Aikman and yes, yes. The, <laughs> the, first of all, the, the main broadcast is amazing. Now you get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And then you flip over the Mannings and they had Shannon Sharp on too. And he's, oh. they're, they're all just like at one. And Peyton tries not to bury guys. Cause he wants to, to maintain friendships and he's friends with Russell Wilson. And you know, he's got the Broncos connection and stuff. And he at one point he's like, uh, I I I'd, I'd probably call timeout right about now, <laughs> the whole time. I think I think yeah, pr- pr- right right now. You're um, letting it go, guys. Getting guys down. Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> twenty seconds is gone. Now you're twenty five. He knows. You see, and that that to me is why he was who he was. 
was because in a situation like that, loud as hell, and I can tell you how loud that place got because we played there every year and they hated us so much and it was deafening. And after whatever, three hours of just deafening noise, you start to hate yourself because you're like, I can't hear anything. Everyone's trying to talk to me. I'm trying to figure things out. And for some reason, today is the day that nobody understands the sign language we've been going over for six months. Like you're trying to throw up signs because everyone's like, well, you can't hear. So you sign language. <laughs> so we're all throwing up signs and I'm throwing this up at AD. And he's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, dude, be it. And he's like, what? Be it. Like it just, it drives you nuts. And for once Russ saw that. And I'm telling you the look on his face was like, I, I made the bad decision. I should have just stayed here. Like that's not a good look for him. Well, that's another good segue talking about just the, the head pounding noise into uh, another debut segment here on trenches with Boone, mm. where I ask a dumb football question mm-hmm. and professor Boone answers the question uh, as condescendingly or not as he wants to. So you're Russell Never. Wilson, you're playing yeah. in that game, or you're any quarterback, you're playing in these just ridiculous environments with 70,000 screaming fans, but you're playing on the road. Mm-hmm. And again, you played at a very high level, 10 plus years, offensive line. You were right there next to the center quarterback. Um, my, my general question is, how do silent snap counts work? And then by extension, how do you operate when you can't hear each other, even from point blank range offensively? That, my friend, is a great question. I've oh, never been, I've never been asked about the silent count. Oh. All right, so. I wish I had my football sounders here on the road. I, I know. Football. Football. So you're on the road and say you can't hear anything. You'll go to an instant silent count because you don't want anybody to be jumping off sides or anyone looking in at the ball when they could be looking out. So a lot of it is basically timing. Every team has their own different timing. Some guys, you'll see. It'll always be the guard will look up one, the left or the right. For us, it was always me. So I got to stand up and look back. You're looking for a foot. When you're in Seattle or there was times like in our career where we had to be in a three point and I would go to look back and everybody would complain because they'd be like, oh, he's moving too fast or he's moving too much. So they'd be like, listen, you can't look back anymore. I'd be like, well, what do you want me to do? And they'd be like, I don't know, figure it out. So I ended up looking through my legs. I would just stand straight up through my legs and look and look for a foot. And then when you come back and a lot of it is, because you can't hear everyone's kind of looking at the ball and the minute the center snaps his head down he has a timing in his head so either it's come up and it's set go and the ball gets snapped or it's a double count which a lot of times the silent count will always go to a double count because they're expecting as soon as his head's coming up the ball is going to get snapped so then they start to show their defense so you're trying to you're trying to time it non-verbally and time it so that they aren't timing it right correct so we'll look so say you do a double count I'll look back, I'll get a foot, I'll smack his butt, I get down, and then all of a sudden the defense thinks you're going to snap the ball, so they'll start shifting their safeties one way, and all of a sudden that tells us, hey, if the safety comes down to the left, there's probably pressure for coming from the left. Or if the safety comes down from the right, it's probably coming from the right, right? Then I'll stand back up, and I'll look back. And and if at the time, whoever the quarterback was, Sam Bradford, Carson, Cap. If they wanted to kill something or do something else, they could kill it. Like if we saw a safety coming from the right, he would drop down and we had the protection going to the left. He'd be like, hey, kill this. And we'd go automatically go because they always say send the big boys to the party. So we'd always be sent to the blitz. And then from there, you look down again, you look up, set go and you snap it. But there's different like varieties because you could do (laughs) there's one where like the center will look down and then he'll look up but then he'll look to the side. And you see, you know, who does it the best is Jason Kelsey. Have you ever seen him do his? He kind of does like a quick wiggle with his head. And as soon as his head comes back to center, it gets snapped. But they all know the rhythm because all week you practice silent count. If you're going to an away stadium, everything's on the silent. So do the the tackles have to look in at the ball in the center and the guard? No, it gets gets good. Like if you're really good, the tackles I've played with, most of them never had to look in. So as soon as they saw the head go down – they would time it in their head as set go, and then they snap. It has to be the same for the center. Like, if, if your head goes down, as soon as it comes up, there's a timing, and it's set go. And if the ball's not snapped in that time, it's your fault because you can't tell these tackles because at times, like when we used to play Philly, they would have their wide nines. Remember that when they were Juan Castillo a long, long time ago was their defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and he had these guys way wide nines. 
And so it's impossible to ask a tackle to look in at the ball, but also look out at a wide nine. Like, dude, you can only do so much. So, so what's the way? So what's the point of no return? So you so the so this the silent count is triggered initially by a quarterback lifts a foot and it starts mm-hmm. a chain of events. Guard is looking back, and this is all stuff that happened to in the game on Monday night. So guard is looking back. Guard then slaps the center, but then throughout this portion of it, the defense starts to shift. So at, at at what point can you then reset the whole thing if there's time left on the play clock without getting a false start or without having gone too far and now the tackles are jumping, right? Oh, well, if it's a li- if you're in the live cadence, like if you're in a double count, the first count doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Like a lot of times, and this is kind of where it's getting sloppy and you can start to pay attention to this. And this is one of the things that like, as an old offensive lineman, I noticed this, but you can tell when it's a double count because number one, the center will do his head really, really fast. And it's like, he's almost faking it. And at the same time, you can see the guard will look back and he'll snap, he'll and he'll get down real fast, but then he'll get back up real fast. Like they don't wait. You're supposed okay. to smack and you wait. You sit in your stance because then they don't know what's going on. The center's supposed to wait too, and then his head should go down. And about the time that it starts to come up, you'll start to see guys move. Now, if it's a really, really good defense and they are on their P's and Q's, you won't see anybody move. So they'll know that oh they're doing they're doing it with nine seconds left on the play clock. It's probably a double count. Let's wait until there's three seconds to show anything. Well, sometimes they're just good enough to be like we can we can hold it to the last second. Like there were times. Remember when Zim like five six years ago had that defense? They were all really really young. They were about that status where like you would do a double count. You'd be like nobody's moving. Oh boy. Oh boy, here we go. We're gonna wing it this time. All right, here's the second one. Now we're live, and then they're still not moving. And you're like, okay, really, seriously, they're really they must be good at what they're doing. Yeah. But now you can tell when guys aren't doing because the center is getting really sloppy, the guards getting sloppy at the same time, the quarterbacks are getting sloppy because they like they'll hold for a second and then they move right away. And instead of like waiting to see what's gonna happen, they're just they're too antsy and they're too jumpy. But uh, the old days, it used to be the center used to look back, and that's when defenses would start moving because he's the only guy that can make the call. So as soon as his head would go between his legs to look up, this whole defenses would just switch over, and he'd look up to a completely new defense. He'd have to remike it. Oh, <laughs> they're, dude, it was, they're, in, they're, they're in new uniforms. What the hell? It was so funny. I swear <laughs> to God, Giro was the first one to think of this because he was he was like, man, I, I – Guys, they're messing with us too much. Like, we can't have John put his head between his legs anymore. We're going to have to have somebody else do it, somebody that doesn't need to know what's going on. They're like, boom, you can do it. It's like, wait a minute. Why don't I get to see what's going on? But it would suck because you would look back, right? And as I would look back, the three technique would become a one. And for me, that's a complete new world. Like, I'm used to – I went from setting out to now I'm setting down. And so I'd be looking back and Goody would be like, hey, your three technique's moving. I'd be like, where's he moving to? And it would just be silence. All right, cool. I'll find him. Looks <laughs> down. Hard. He's completely inside. Ball gets snapped. You're like, I'll figure it out. Whatever. I mean, it's just. And then you go to Seattle and they're all moving around and he's trying to yell at me and I can see him out of the corner of my eye yelling at me, but I can't hear anything. And I'm like, whatever, dude, I'll figure it out. I look up. It's like a three, four. Now you're like, man, I'm screwed. See, dude, this, the, the, this last like five or 10 minutes is why, you know, I, I, I like many fans, you know, casual fans who clearly came nowhere near playing in the National Football League. Your first instinct is to just rip on the offensive line, like, "Well, you, what are you doing? What are you doing?" And then you and then you break it down like this, and how complicated it is, and all the things you have to deal with, all the things strategically you have to deal with. Not to mention the fact that the guy who's lining up, or the multiple guys who are lining up opposite of you, are like two hundred sixty pound machines right. that have three percent body fat. You know, it's like it, it is such a hard job, I would think. And we and, and by the way, like the worst line we talk about Garrett Bradbury, and if you really look at it. Garrett, like Garrett Bradbury gave up five pressures in that game, according to Pro Football. So they, they had 30 dropbacks, five pressures. You know, so, I mean, you know, it wasn't like every play he was getting trucked, but no. that's the, it's kind of like an umpire in baseball. You get 97% of the calls right, but if you blow like two big calls at first base, it stands out to everybody, and people don't appreciate how impossible it is to actually do your job at a high level. So right. I try to have some empathy for you guys <laughs> as a casual fan. <laughs> And, and to be fair, like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like rip on a guy or like cut into him. I'm just stating the obvious. Like at some point, if you want to be in this league and you want to be respected and you want to be considered one of the tough dudes, like you got to do really tough things in tough times. And when Kenny Clark's across from you, you got to show up. Like they tell you in these meetings all the time, we're not trying to screw you guys. We're not trying to go five zero every time. We want to get you guys help, but at times we can't. 
We're trying to open up this offense and be innovative. And we need you to play a really tough position. And this is a tough game. And if you can't do it, the guy behind you can't. That's why it's like, I don't understand why everyone gets so sensitive when you start getting critical. And I think it's because there's so many critics coming from every which way now. Like everybody has a phone so they can instantly turn something on and say something bad about you. So the minute somebody does, you cut into them. But I'm not coming from a mean place. I'm just being honest. If you can shore up that middle of that offensive line, the sky is the limit with Kevin because it seems like his positivity and the fact that he can just rejuvenate this offense and be like, look, quick fire. Like, damn, dude, you did a great job in one game. You just went out and smacked Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Like, Matt LaFleur was looking around like, dude, are we even going to show up today? What the hell's wrong with us? Like, that's fun. But then you're looking at the little things like, man, if I'm looking at this as a pro, if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm watching this team, what am I saying? Man, if they could just fix that one little issue right there, boy, this guy's getting it. Because there was times where he was standing there back there for eight seconds. And you're like, dude, you give this guy this much time with this much firepower around him, it could be dangerous. Yes. Yep. He is. I mean, he is legitimately, when you give him time to throw, clean pocket, you know, get a receiver breaking open or on a route that he likes, he is going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. For sure. Pretty much and then we'll lead our words. And I'm cool with that, dude. Too. Didn't you used to say last year, like, all you want to see is the Vikings win a Super Bowl before you die? Yeah, that has become the official slogan right. of Purple Daily, by the way. Yes, there Dude, is a, you there, do that. We'll yeah, I don't know if you know, there's a tall boy can of Surly being sold inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Surly, our presenting uh, craft oh, beer yeah. partner on Purple Daily. It's Love a tall Surly. boy that literally says, before I die, branded beer inside U.S. Bank Stadium. So the the empire is, the, the before I die uh, it's mantra growing. is growing for sure. Uh, all right, before we wrap this episode of of trenches here, tell the audience so that it's I, so you and I met a couple times when you were an active Vikings player. You came on mm-hmm. our radio show a couple times back like six years ago, um, and then and the, so the first time we connected outside of your playing career and doing media, you and I went and got lunch. Actually, I had lunch, and you sat there and just drank water because you were training for I believe it was like a 72 or 50 some hour Navy SEAL extravaganza like four years ago. Yeah. And now you're doing these Ironman triathlons and you're down like 80 or 90 pounds from your peak playing weight. So how did you get into some of this hardcore stuff since you've been, and you, and you made a football comeback by the way, between all this stuff, but like, how did you get into some of this stuff? Dude, my wife, she gets me into all this stuff. I think she's honestly nervous that I don't have football anymore to go to, to keep me busy. And I'm such a like wanderer that I just end up doing stuff all day. So she's like, listen, I got to keep you busy. So she told me about the Kokoro right after, um, right after Arizona. And she was like, you should do this. Cause it was supposed to be like the hardest training in the world. And you go with 52 hours with the Navy SEALs and they just take you out in the woods and by Coronado and you stay in the ocean. And she was like, I think it will be good for you mentally. And then from there she was like, Oh, you should do tries. Cause I was reading that Goggins book and she was like, you should try it. And I was like, no, that's stupid. She thought you were gonna. She thought you weren't gonna come back. Well, honey, why don't you? Uh, why don't you just kind of go out in the ocean for a few days? And, uh, right. Oh, well, she's always guy. like, she's she's like everybody else that watches this show. She's like, you talk like you're such a tough guy. Why don't you show me how tough you are? I'm like, okay, what what am I gonna do now? Right? And she's like, Dude, you, you could, could bo- you, you could box like Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell too. No, Maybe that's no, your next step. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I don't need to box. I did that for years and. Believe me, I'm beat up from it. But now doing the tries was great because honestly, it's the it's the people that you get to meet and the people that you get to be around and these people that are pushing themselves past the point of no return, like 16 hours of running, swimming and biking. You're like, dude, this is this is a lot. But then you're done and you're like, dude, look what I just did. Look how awesome this was, especially because when I finished Mike Riley, the voice of Iron Man, who I had read a little bit about him, he retired this last race. This was his last race ever. And he had been doing it for 20 years. And uh, when he called my name, he was like, Dana and Alex Boone, because my wife and I finished at the same exact time. She caught me on the run. And so then we finished together. And so, uh, you know, he's like, Dana and Alex Boone, you are Iron Man. And then he was like, oh, yeah. And by the way, Boone played 10 years in the NFL. And then my trainer called me and he was like, dude, I got to be honest with you. I was looking up some of the guys from the NFL that did these. He's like, I don't think there's ever been an offensive lineman that's done it. I was like, dude, I got to be honest. To be the first offensive lineman to do it. And then... When I went there, I got to run into. Do you remember Chris Borland? Yeah, yeah. Dude, let me tell you the wildest. He, ret- he retired. He was the guy that retired early from the Niners, right? Love Chris. Like Twenty-five years old. Yeah, loved him when he played with us. I love him now. So I'm I'm talking to uh, Joe Thomas, and I were talking, 
And so he's like, hey, by the way, I know you're coming into town this weekend. Chris Borland lives here. You should meet up with him. So I was like, oh, sweet, for sure, because all the Wisconsin guys live together. And so he ends up sending me his number. We end up getting together. We have dinner. We have a good time. He brings me these cleats, and they're all black. And so I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what's up, buddy? And he's like, dude, I want to give you these. I'm like, why? He's like, dude, uh, these were Patrick Willis's cleats, and these were the cleats that he gave me after I became the starter. And he was like, on the back of them, it said, his number and had the name, the word pain on it. And he, I was like, what's up with that? And he's like, that's what pa- I asked Patrick. And Patrick was like, dude, it's just to remind you that pain is just a word. It's nothing more than just a word. And you can always overcome it, dude. I don't know if it was those cleats, wow. but there was a time in that try where I looked up and there was a lot of guys throwing up in the water because the water was really rough. And there was a lot of guys that got hypothermia that had to quit. And I couldn't believe it because it downpoured for 17 hours. I wasn't cold for one minute of that race. And I don't know why I wore shorts and t-shirt like the whole time, but for whatever reason, like seeing Chris and getting those cleats and doing all that, like it was just so cool. And it was such an experience and getting to meet all these people. I didn't get to meet Mike Riley, but I wanted to, but just like talking to all these other people, they're like, dude, what the hell are you doing here? Like, I don't know. I'm here to race. They're like, no, you're not here to race. You're here to, you're too big to race. I was like, no, dude, I'm going to do this. Like, it's just, it's cool because people don't expect you to do stuff like this. And then you show up and they're like, what are you doing here? And you're like, dude, I'm here to have fun. <laughs> I love, did you wear, did you wear the cleats? No, God, no, you can't wear say. <laughs> No, but say. like, as soon as he gave them to me, I felt like I was like, man, that's a lot of pressure. Pain doesn't but I like, exist for the next and I'm 48 sitting there, hours. I'm like, Right. I got Patrick Willis's cleats. I got Chris Borland over here. Joe Thomas is texting me like, how's it going? I'm like, God, I cannot fail this race now. I got to finish. Everyone so are knows. You, are you going to do more? Yeah. So I want to do this one next year. It's called Escape from Alcatraz. And you take a boat out to Alcatraz Island and they, they drop lock, you off. They lock you in a cell. No, 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 no. They, <laughs> they drop you off in the water. You, and you, you have, have to, to tunnel out and then you have to swim. Just like the guys did in the rock. Yep. You have to go through the fire system. <laughs> <laughs> through the water. It's a great movie, dude. Great movie. Right. Don't don't mess with Nick Cage. No. Um, no, I was saying uh that's gonna be my next one, I think. You they put you on a boat and you go out a mile and a half in the ocean and you swim in and then you bike 20 miles all up the hills of San Francisco and then you run 10 miles up all the hills in San Francisco. Oh so oh my god, those are like 45 degree angle hills. Dude, they're ridiculous. No joke, man. Yeah, I can't. And there's a sand. I think you run on the sand. Oh, and then there's another one, Iron Man Super Frog in Coronado, where the Navy SEALs are. My wife's like, you're going to have to do that one. I was like, for sure, I'll do that one. I love this, man. So what do you, what was your You're going to do with me. Well, I mean, listen, I'll tell you what. uh, Everything you just talked about sounds great. And I congratulations. You're doing it with me. Super proud of you, but... If you, have seen, if you would have seen the 20 minute 80s Peloton ride that I did on Saturday. So they had us out of the saddle for about 90 seconds halfway yeah. through, too. Oh, man. Who was, I pushed, it? Who I was your teacher? It, pushed through it. Uh, Dennis Morton. Yeah. He is so positive. I'm telling you, dude, these this positive vibes, dude, that takes you over. <laughs> um, you're going to do this. Uh, you got to do the Coronado one with me. It's only 70 miles. Only it's, 70 it's, miles. Dude, it's not. I'm dude, I get you, I get bored in a car when I'm driving 70 miles, all right? Yeah, but imagine get, if you had to be the motor of the car. You, I fall asleep I fall asleep on a plane in the first 15 minutes. So I'm going to No, man. I'm telling And then you see all these people on the road when you're riding and they're just going crazy for you and you're like, "Man, this is awesome." It's, it's, are, they, are they handing you water at least those people on the side of the road? Are no, those are only the aid stations. You're not allowed to hand if you're not an aid station, you can't hand anyone. And there are penalty boxes so funny because if you get a penalty, they make you go to this and you have to get off your bike and wait a certain amount of time i was like dude there's no way anybody gets caught like the first penalty box i go by there's this old guy off his bike like just going off on this chick like you gotta be kidding me drafting i tried to take my water bottle off and throw it at him i was like dude shut up was drafting illegal in the biking portion are you kidding me drafting is a new new you gotta stay six bike lengths away oh come on bunch of cowards Rules are rules. Oh, you should see these leaders, though, dude. Like, when they fly by you, they're like a car going by. You're like, wow, that dude's incredible. Why don't we start with uh, maybe you and I can do, like, a joint little Peloton session together. And mm. then uh, and maybe the maybe the pool session, we can just be in the hot tub for a little while. And then we'll and then we'll crank it up from there. We'll dude, you got to come meet. Happens. You got to come meet my uh, my swim coach. She is Teresa Brees. She has a gym over here in Minnesota called Tangletown. 
she, dude, you got she you would love it. It's such a workout. You get in the water and she like kills you for an hour and then you get out and you like can't breathe and you're like, "Wait a minute, I'm not hurting though." It's amazing. That's the thing, like Michael Phelps, when he used to train for, you know, I don't know, being the the greatest Olympic Ever. athlete of all time. Right. And just the amount, first of all, the, the hours in the pool every single day. And then his body was just a furnace and he's shoving full pizzas in his body because he can't eat enough calories. It's a lot. He's eating like 12,000 calories a day or something. Yeah. With no body fat. Just insane. Phil, I'm telling you, I go over to this like Aqua Jets place at five in the morning and they have all these college kids in there during the certain time of the year where they're like on break. These kids move so fast in the water. It's almost like they're fish. I'm not even kidding you, dude. Like, you're like, man, that's fast. And the lady's like, oh, that's not fast, honey. That's not even close. I'm like, what? Like, dude, no, no. Phelps would kill that. I'm like, my God, you you just have a new appreciation for people because it's so much harder in the water. That's that's you're bonkers. doing this with me, Phil. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking to your wife. I'm gonna get her. Right, to get we'll you we'll ma- yeah, she'll let, she'll laugh, she'll laugh in your face. <laughs> you're gonna get Phil to do what? We can, we can, we can negotiate something. We'll, uh, we will we'll see. So, all right, that's uh, that's a wrap on this episode of Trenches with Boone. We're gonna let you continue. Uh, I don't know your ice baths or whatever you're doing to, to recover here with that glorious metal around Dude, your neck. Just food. I just want to eat food. <laughs> so much food. <laughs> And then uh, we'll be back for uh, in the day or two after the we'll probably do a Tuesday night recording next yeah. week after the Monday night Vikings Eagles game for people. And by the way, if you're with us here at the end of this episode, click subscribe on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and give us a five star rating, positive review on Apple and Spotify. And uh, we'll tap more into this glorious football brain that is Alex Boone next week. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys.